Hey everyone, and welcome to the Healthy is Hot podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Wild, TV host by day, sweatpant connoisseur by night, and a health and a life coach always. Come hang out as we have raw, real conversations with badass individuals living passionate lives, thriving to make their dreams come true, and diving deep into how they got to where they are. And the best part? How health is a key component of all of it. From the highs to the lows, we get into it. From fitness to mental health to aspirational careers, get ready to be inspired. Also, we don't hold back. There might be swearing. There's definitely going to be some laughing. And hopefully, you can take something away from these conversations to live your best life. To live your healthiest hot life. MJ Renshaw joins us today, an energy healer, a medium, a breathwork facilitator, and the founder of The Being Method. So get this, she left her career of being an osteopath to chase her dreams of blending science and spirituality into a course. She wanted everyone to know all the amazing overlaps between science and spirituality. She wants everyone to live their authentic lives, and one of her biggest passions and goals is to inspire everyone to follow their dreams, and she is busy living her dream. We are so lucky to have MJ on the podcast. Let's dive in. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. You got a lot going on right now. You were like with child, have a child, got an online course, you're a, you're a podcaster. Like the fact that you squeeze this into your very busy life, I just want to start off by saying thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I like being on podcasts, so it's easy to say yes. <laughs> podcasts, have, they've got to be like one of my favorite mediums. I work in linear television in my day job and there's a time and a place for it, but there's something really cool about the casualness of a mm-hmm. podcast and how, I don't know, just there's more space to have fun and be silly sometimes. Yeah. I'm a big walker too. So it just goes so well with walking around and pretending I have friends. <laughs> just kidding. You do have a friend. I, got the I do. I do. I do. <laughs> like now behind you and your friends. Um, geez, there's so much I want to get into friends. As you heard in the intro, MJ has a lot going on. The being method is like the thing I'm so excited to celebrate, but I'm so curious. You have been like in the health and wellness space for a long time and definitely on a bit of a different path than the one you're on now, which is really a focus on science of energy healing. So tell us a little bit about how you ended up where you are. Yeah. So I, um, I think I started out kind of in the yoga world where I think a lot of people start out. And then from there, I went to school for osteopathy. And then probably about three or four months before I was supposed to graduate, I fled for the hills and dropped out, um, <laughs> which was like so bananas to everyone around me. But I was like, this isn't it. I, I don't think this can be my career. I just had such a gut feeling about it. And part of my hang up with it, I love everything osteopathy. Osteopaths make the world go around. They're the best. Um, but part of my difficulty with that career was that there was this whole spiritual aspect that I almost wouldn't be allowed to talk about because you have to join an association and you're monitored and the way you're supposed to be with patients is very professional. And I felt like I was kind of going to put myself in a box because I have this whole rich spiritual life as well as really appreciating the science. So I kind of took a risk and thought, you know what, I'm going to start my own course 
that incorporates all the rich anatomy, physiology, and, you know, basic chemistry, basic physics that I had learned in school, but also add on this layer of spirituality and wellness practices that are so common. Like people do them all the time, like breath work, meditation, mindfulness, using light therapy, cold immersion. We look at those practices. And then I basically teach people how to describe what's happening happening scientifically. So when they go out to work one-on-one with people or have retreats or whatever they're going to do with their life, they're the ones who can be like, I can explain the physiology behind that, or I can explain the anatomy of that. And that's kind of, that was my dream is to have basically like super, super science nerds who also know, you know, the spiritual practices behind things and galvanizing those two worlds. That's definitely been like my purpose for the last couple of years. I mean, it sounds like you have definitely found alignment with your purpose. I just can't believe, like osteopathy is no joke. Like that is a serious, long-term, like deep, deep in science textbooks type of course. Like you didn't just like casually drop out of a ceramics course. It's like once a week for 12 weeks, like you were involved and then took a step back. But obviously it was such a loud kind of sign within yourself that it wasn't the right place. But I still can't like, can't wrap my head around you actually making the decision. Like, was there ever any trepidation of making the decision to leave? Oh, or did yeah. you feel just like, this is just what you had to do? Because a lot of people are in jobs where maybe they don't mm-hmm. feel like they're aligned or maybe their side hustle is really what they want to be doing or they're in a relationship that doesn't mm-hmm. feel good. Sometimes we stick it out because we're like, well, I've already come this far. So what's the point of bailing? But sometimes bailing actually hold space for even cooler opportunities. Absolutely. I It was a really hard decision. And I write about this all the time because it was a really good job. Like there's nothing, it wasn't like I had a terrible boss or it was so unaligned. I was like felt immoral in any way. It was an amazing job with an amazing pay. It was safe. Like, you know, I osteopath, being an osteopath is a great job. Um, I just, I don't know why I'm blessed with this rebellion gene where like I will, I I just feel like I can, I'm very easy to be like, actually, no. <laughs> and I've been like that since I was a kid, like I'll do it myself kind of thing, um, which is a blessing and a curse. Like I spent basically my whole 20s, you know, I called off two engagements. I dropped out of university program and then dropped out of a postgrad program that I wasn't even supposed to be in. And I I think, you know, it looked very turbulent on the outside, especially to my mom. She was like, what is happening? (laughs) But it all came together. And now her and I can laugh because she's like, okay, like I see the process now. Like you really had to do your own thing. And I think this is the story of a lot of entrepreneurs. Yeah. Like they, they find like, I'm not fitting into a box here. I think I have to make my own box. And I always encourage people to make their own box. Like if there's a gut feeling about something, like you can. And I think if you have that, if you have that pull or that voice inside of you telling you like, hey, there's this weird idea that doesn't make sense to anybody else, but you got to go with it. I think it's like your duty to do that. Life is too short. Like, yeah. And the world, the world needs new cool things. Like, but the the concept and the idea of building your own box sounds really cool, but I imagine it is also very, very hard. Like once you decided to make the decision to leave and to to create your own entity, you know, the being method, what was that process like? Because it's one thing knowing like, okay, I, I love what I'm learning, but it's not the right fit for me. But it's a whole other thing to be like, okay, cool. I've got this idea, but now I'm actually going to bring it to life. Yeah, it was a big learning curve. I've never studied business. 
I had, I had to learn a lot, a lot. I'm still <laughs> learning. Like today I, on a podcast, I listened to like a business podcast and I was like, I don't know what they're talking about, but I'm going to learn this because it is part of, part of my life now. And it's so interesting because normally I would never want to learn those things, but because it fits into my passion and my dream, I'm willing to do my bookkeeping. Like I'll do my bookkeeping <laughs> and I'll gladly do it. So, so I think, um, it, you know, my husband said something the other day. He says, when you figure out your why, the how just becomes so easy. And it's so true. I think when you have your big why, when you have a vision, when you have a thing that you want, and it doesn't have to be even business, just anything, then it's very easy to overcome the hurdles. Yeah, You find a hurdle and you're like, I'm going to overcome this. And I think, you know, you run your own business. Most of the hurdles are in your own mind. Like it's your mindset for me. Like that was a big awakening when I started my own business was not, you know, someone's going to say ne something negative about you online or someone's going to say that it's too expensive or someone's going to say, you know, a man messaged me yesterday saying that it's not science. And I was like, well, you've never even done the course. How do you know? <laughs> but, you know, part of it hit me because I was like, oh, like, of course, like and but then I was like, OK, I can't let any of those voices get to me and you have to just really stick with your vision. So. I think my number one tip for anybody who wants to build their own box is like total mindset work. It is so important. It will bring up all your insecurities, but it's such a, it's such a blessing because you get to work on them. Yeah. And if you get to work on them now, like the rest of your life is going to be so much better because those self-limiting beliefs can hold us back for such a long time. Yeah. 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 Yes. <laughs> Man, so clearly you were a science nerd from a long time ago, but like how has spirituality always been a part of the conversation and a part of your life? Like when did that enter the chat? Uh, when I was very young. I mean, I think it's normal for kids to be like, why, 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 why this, why that? And then it got to a point where I was like, why are we here? What are we doing? And my mom was like, big I don't know. questions. Yeah. Like I was like dead set on understanding. I remember my parents, we weren't religious, but they would buy me books on different religions, like being like, here, I hope this answers something. And and no, nothing really quite fit for me. So I went to university for philosophy and I was like, they ask questions. Like I'm, maybe I'll figure out some stuff there. And uh, yeah, it's just been a lifelong journey of being like, what, why are we here? And what are we doing? And like, what is, what is a higher power when people say that? So I've always been really interested in those topics naturally, like even... I remember sitting in the library in university and like I should have been writing like an English lit paper, but I was like, what is consciousness and and watching YouTube videos and stuff. So I always tell someone, like, you don't know what to do. What are what are the things that you wake up in the middle of the night and like Wikipedia or YouTube? That's probably your answer. Yeah, you won't have any more downtime or like time to be bored if you start asking those like massive big questions. So obviously you love science. Spirituality has been a part of your life for a long time. You put those together. The being method is born and essentially you are helping people help people out in the world. And it's a course on the science of energy healing. First of all, what is energy healing and what's the science that supports it? Because I think for a lot of people, they think energy healing and they think a little bit woo woo and they don't mm -hmm. maybe assume that there's maybe evidence or research to support yeah. is in actuality, is something that you can measure and like look at the data. So let's start off with the basics, energy healing. What is it and where does it come from? Yeah, so it's definitely an umbrella term. There's so many different types of energy healing from like 
Reiki, which is pretty well known to um, prayer or meditation for someone else, like a meta meditation, for instance, if anyone's ever done that, that's a form of energy healing. Or in the being method, we specifically look at what I call quantum energy healing, which is just a made-up name, um, <laughs> but essentially the why. Sounds really why. official though, MJ. Oh, like- I know. I know it does. I was, like, I was like, quantum. Everybody loves that word. But the reason why I slapped that word on the front is because we are on basically on the forefront of physiology right now, blending quantum physics with biology, which has never really happened before. They've been separate entities of science. So- I'm in the course basically every year, I have to update it with the new science on understanding how quantum science is affecting the body. And this goes so far beyond just, you know, watching what the bleep, which is like a quantum science, if anyone's watched that old, old, old documentary, and then being like, we can do things with our mind. Like, yeah, we can. And we have, um, you know, loose quantum science you know, research to show that. But now we're finding like, okay, so we've got random number generators all over the world that are supercomputers that randomly create numbers. And now we have groups of people who, when they meditate, can change the outcome of the numbers, which that's unheard of. Like we don't understand how that's happening. We don't understand why that's happening. So I can't answer those things, but we know it exists. We know that when you get at least a certain number of people together to focus on one thing, we can affect a machine and its randomness, which means (laughs) if the world is chaotic or not, your mindset can actually change potentially the world around you. Like who knows? You could draw whatever things from that that you want to doesn't mean it's necessarily true because this is just, you know, the one little side study we have. But in the being method, we definitely look look at a lot of really interesting research that's happening. Uh, One of my favorite ones is how we we now understand that the heart as the organ processes information in the future. So if you, I know, (laughs) I know it's my brain a, a hot second to wrap my head around that. Okay. I'm here. I'm present. I know. So they hook up these, they hook up electrodes to your heart. They hook up electrodes to your mind and they show people images. And some of them are scary and some of them are puppies and kittens. And then they look at when these organs respond. So the brain responds kind of appropriately, like a milliseconds after it sees it through the eyes, but the heart, for whatever reason, responds to it before it happens. Wow. And we don't know how or why, like we don't understand that. So I've, I'm, really interested in this stuff. Obviously, I find it fascinating. I really try my best in the being method not to make any large grand conclusions from anything like that. Like I don't want someone to come out and be like, you know, I can heal your heart. And it's like, okay, let's take, let's calm down. <laughs> but um I do think it's really fascinating. And I I see this whole world of people, especially in the spiritual world, who are very intelligent and like can understand that this science that is basically on the forefront means something. And it means something in that we can change the way we live with this information. If you have this understanding that maybe following your heart really does mean something, and it's like, you can logically, analytically think about something all day, but if your heart tells you, no, you got to drop out of school, maybe you just got to do that. And that cannot be seen as something that's like very valuable, following that intuition, not just like, oh, that doesn't mean anything because you haven't thought about it logically. So I, I, 
it's going to restructure. Basically, the science is going to restructure everything that we know about everything. But <laughs> to answer your question, that's a little bit of the research, uh, just two examples, I guess, of the research behind um, energy healing. And what we focus, again, on quantum energy healing. So we're looking at the science of things like mitochondria, photons, electrons, the, all the things that make up the body or affect the human physiology, and how do they go together? How do they affect them? So you come out the other end understanding what do certain light waves do? What does certain sound waves do? If people are interested in sound healing, um, how do your thoughts affect your physiology? There's a whole plethora of stuff. Oh my gosh, all of that. Like I I know this is not (laughs) a very long podcast, but I feel like I need a little sneak peek into like those three things that you just said. Like, (laughs) like, you know, I think you're also located in Ontario. So for anyone in Canada, we all know winters can get very, very dark. We stop having lots of natural light. It affects our mood. Like I don't think Canadians would ever argue with the fact that light can have an effect on our overall mm-hmm. being. But from your perspective, especially because you look at things from such a scientific nature, like what is so fascinating about how light can affect the way we feel and maybe even our physiology? Oh man, this is a big can of worms. I'll try to. I'll try to keep. It. I think okay. One of the most interesting things about light, in particular, photons coming from the sun, is that our body processes them in a quantum way called quantum tunneling, which we've only discovered in the last like three years. So before we used to think that we would take in light through our eyes and that would be it. It would reset our circadian rhythm, which if anybody doesn't know, that's like your melatonin and cortisol, so you can sleep good, wake up feeling good. And that was kind of it. And and obviously supply vitamin D when we're close enough to the equator. But now we're understanding, I'm sure everybody's seen online, like red light therapy, infrared light therapy, like the research on those waves of light are huge. And then the quantum tunneling with the photons is also really, really, really interesting because now we understand that humans actually have the ability to create energy with light. So depending on, I know. So it's like You're a You're blowing my mind. Yeah. So it's now considered a nutrient. Mm, wow. So before we used to just think of food, that is our nutrients. That's where we get energy from. But now it's actually, you can get energy from light. And anyone who's been on vacation can kind of understand this because when you're on the beach all day, unless you're like vigorously swimming laps, like you kind of aren't as hungry. And this is because we have certain parts of our skin that can capture light and then give it to our mitochondria, and then our mitochondria can create energy from that. And that's melanin. Yeah, I just got back from a month in South Africa, and I I slept less in South Africa than I am here. And I was way more energized. And I'm sure there's a multitude of factors, like lots of variables were not consistent. But now that you're saying that, I'm like, we were outside in fresh air, in direct Mm -hmm. sunlight, so much more than I am here. I'm in an office where I'm at home. I, you know, go yeah. for a walk every day, but most of the day I'm inside. I am not yeah. absorbing natural no, light. I, we're discovering that the human body is kind of like this battery and we can get energy from things like water, from grounding on the ground, like actually taking in the electromagnetic field of the earth and the world around us from negative ions at the beach. Like, that it's not that stuff is not just you know whatever stuff happening around us like we are actually soaking in that energy we're soaking in those electrons and when you become electron rich you are basically more energetic your your mitochondria which is where we produce our energy in our cell are just buzzing and they're happier so 
you know, forest bathing and being in nature, going to the beach, these things really, really, really are healing. <laughs> I did it for the first time a few years ago uh, in Tofino. We like turned Healthy is Hot into a show and mm. we did a whole series on forest bathing and I was blown away being in a city like Toronto, you know, you try to spend time outside, but you're usually like rush, 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 go, go, go. You're like, okay, cool. I've got like 20 minutes to be outside. Let's make the most of it. And it's the least relaxing thing ever. And when I was there, we had dedicated so much time to just like being in a forest and we did meditations and just like a lot of exercises to just be present. And it was the most like invigorating and peaceful experience of my life. And I truthfully have not done it since then. And this conversation is making me realize that I really should do a little bit more forest bathing or be more outside in the light or hang out without my shoes and socks on when the weather's right. And like, just be like more one with nature. Cause it does have such an impact on us. Yeah. I always say nature is like, nature is the OG. And then if you don't have access to nature for whatever reason, there's a ton of biohacking devices that you can get or MacGyver and figure out. Um, so there's tons, there's tons of ways to get in all the nature goodness, but yeah, it is, it really is very healing. We go, our bodies love it. Like all the, all the research on anything like forest bathing is, is immense and it's wonderful. Um, you quickly mentioned how sound can affect us. How do you feel about white noise before sleep? Because I feel very <laughs> dependent on it and I don't know if it's placebo or if it's legitimate. I mean, I, here's my here's my one answer for most things health and wellness is if it works for you and you feel good, yeah, go for it. Like I think we gotta stop outsourcing our intuition with things. Like you're gonna see, you know, tons of studies on things like studies on fasting, and but then you look at the participants and most of them are male, but yeah. then you've got women reading them and being like, well, I want this anti aging effect, but it's actually gonna mess up your hormones. So I, I always say like have discernment when deciding what you want to do in the wellness world, and really like tap into yourself and be like, is this working for me? Because at the end of the day, everybody's so unique and you you might just be physiologically different like who knows and then we've got trauma on top of it and all these different things so i would i would never claim one thing is like good or bad for anybody like for some people smoking cigarettes is going to get them through the next 10 years and by all means do it like i would never shame anybody i just think you really got to focus on you and what works for you so but white noise is really interesting the thing that people say is negative about it if you do want to hear is that it is a constant. Mm. So when you go into the forest, you're going to hear rich layers and textures of noises, but there's not much that's just shh, yeah. right? And that's where people say that it could potentially be non-native or unnatural to the human body. But if you grew up in the city and you had like a refrigerator outside your bedroom and it, you have this hum going on, all the time as a kid and you your whole nervous system knows that this means home this means safe this is well you know I'm I'm next to my parents I'm whatever then that might actually be really calming to you so it's so hard to just decide like oh this thing's bad when you don't you don't know someone's story or why they're using something so uh white noise is uh it can be great there's also brown noise or pink noise. <laughs> no, everyone's talking about pink noise right now. I just want to say, like you mentioned, the forest. I tried to fall asleep to nature sounds, like mm -hmm. I don't know, from a forest. I couldn't do it because there was. 
there was such too many uh, there. Yeah, there was too many moments. I was like, oh gosh, the bird is there. The bird, the frog is back. Yeah, was, yeah. me, it wasn't a good fit. If, if anything, it made me feel very energized. I was like, what's mm-hmm. up to? But I love your advice. It's like you got to figure out what works for you. And as long as it's not harming anyone or yourself, then I mean, geez, check with your doctor always, whatever. We're not, I'm not a physician, but like do what is right for you, friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you posted something on social media that I loved and I'd love to get into it briefly. And you shared that the key to facing your fears, which I think is something we can all relate to across many, many modalities of our life is nervous system regulation, which sounds really, really fancy, but I'd love for you to just break it down because these are things that we can incorporate into our daily lives because facing our fears is sometimes something that actually holds us back from saying yes to ourselves, saying yes Mm -hmm. to life opportunities, or just taking a chance on yourself and maybe even building your own box. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like we could use, uh, you know, the example of me deciding to drop out that brought up a lot of fear, a lot of breakdowns. I don't want anyone to think that I was like, you know, putting on a cape in that moment. I was not, I was sitting eating cereal in my underwear on my boyfriend's couch. I didn't even live with him having to ask him if I could not pay rent watching Grey's Anatomy and crying. Like it was not, not a good look. So I read today on social media. So I, I love how it has these quotes that land with you. And someone said, if you want the transformation, transformation, the rebirth, you got to do the death first. Oh, and I was like, that's oh, powerful. It's that's so, so powerful. true. It's so true. But to confidently step into that death, to let go of things, to step into uncertainty, we have to have this fundamental belief that we're safe. Mm. And everybody's got a story, right? Like we all have things that happen to us as kids, uh, you know, sometimes in your birth. If your mom was stressed when you were as a baby in the womb, we know that that can affect your nervous system greatly. So sometimes it's, it's just you could go back generational. There's generational stuff that can happen. So I always say, you know, your nervous system is going to be buzzy around certain things. And it could be anything from like a fear of not having a stable income because that could mean dot, 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 whatever you've inserted into the unknown future, or, you know, a fear of like what someone might say about me online. If I start posting, like, that's a really big one for people because I I don't really know anyone who hasn't been bullied. And I don't, I also don't know any business owners who aren't bullied. So like, that's a big one. Um, So I always say the key is to figure out how and what makes you feel safe and to do that often. And we've got tons of research on it. Cold plunges work, breath work works, um, dancing works, singing works, basically anything that's going to turn on and tone your vagal nerve, anything that's going to reset your nervous system. But I always say, like, again, don't go to the research. I mean, it helps to know what your options are, but go with what genuinely makes you happy. And for some people that's painting or sewing or whatever, like if it's watching Grey's Anatomy in that moment, watch Grey's Anatomy. Like I would never say, when I'm in a bad place, I binge watch a show that I've already seen because I know the outcome already. (laughs) So it's very safe. (laughs) Yeah, everybody's got one. Um, so I, you know, no shame, find your, find your hobby or your coping mechanism or whatever, and really look at pleasure and safety as a way of like really doing some self-healing because 
if you're in a state where you're feeling extreme fear, you're sympathetic, your nervous system's really buzzed and turned on, and then you say to yourself, I'm going to push myself right now and I'm going to do all these things, you're going to end up that person with a business who's like, your hair is falling out, you aren't making time for yourself, you're burnt out, you're push, 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 pushing until like me in my postgrad of osteopathy, I was like, I think my body's falling apart. <laughs> and it's because I was push, 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 pushing towards something without being like, okay, am I good? Like, I'm not good. So nervous system regulation, there's like 110 different ways to do it from forest bathing, like we mentioned, to breath work. Um, and I say work that practice in daily if you can, and then you'll your whole world will start to transform when you're, you aren't putting up all these blocks. So you're not thinking of like, oh, if this happens, then the fearful thing is going to happen. Some Your brain will be like, oh, maybe if I do this, the good thing will happen. Mm. Maybe if I do this, I'm going to live the life of my dreams. You know, it, we always, we tend to go to the negative. And I always tell people like, that's not the realistic way of living. That's just, you're choosing, basically, you've got two possible futures, the really, really good stuff or the really, really bad stuff. And you're just choosing the really bad stuff. It doesn't mean that that's more realistic. It just means that your nervous system is dysregulated. So we kind of we don't know what the future holds. Yeah, I know. Like it could go either way. So why are we banking on the bad one? Yeah, it's probably going to go both, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean things are good, but there's always a little bit of shit always in the mix for for. Yeah. Um, I know you mentioned you got to like choose your own adventure when it comes to system regulation. I am a huge fan of cold plunge. I think that it has been like my happy place since the pandemic. And it has honestly, I believe made me a better person because I can just regulate my anxiety so much mm -hmm. more. And it's something that I crave like multiple times a week. Um, you know, is regulating our nervous system something that we should be adopting into our daily lives? And it doesn't need to be as extreme as cold plunging, but just doing something on a daily basis where like pleasure and safety are at the mm -hmm. core of it. Yeah. I mean, I would argue that everybody does it already. Mm. And if you don't choose which way you do it, your, your brain is just going to pick a way for you. And it's going to be maybe a way that doesn't support the life that you want in the future. So I know for me, if I'm not doing my breath work, if I'm not doing my cold showers and things like that, I'm going to start scrolling like mad. Yeah. Like I will scroll social media like all day. <laughs> and then I'll be like, okay, now I'm done with Instagram. Let's go on TikTok. <laughs> and it's like, what are you doing? But that's my nervous system's way of regulating. Like it can't handle the emotions. It can't handle the possible futures, the fear state that I'm in the resentment that i'm thinking about all those different things that are going on where i haven't i haven't let go of those emotions i haven't regulated my nervous system so it's going to try to do that and it typically will try to do that by zoning out or creating chaos things that you don't necessarily want so i always say to people it's going to happen either way yeah. um so you may as well just choose a way that is in alignment with the future that you want. And for me, like scrolling all day, I don't have time to do that. So if I can have a five minute cold shower, or if I can do 10 minutes of breath work, that's more in alignment with the future that I want. So I, I ch typically choose that. And then you just regain about 10 hours of your day, which is always. Brilliant. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I know breath work is a huge part of your life just as a human being. And it's also a big part of the being method. Um, and I feel like right now we're seeing a lot of like mouth breathing versus nose breathing. And I'd love to get like your take on it. Is it as extreme as like the headlines are making it seem that one is better than the other? I hate being this person, but it is. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. I, <sighs> I know I, it's. I think I'm naturally a mouth breather, so I'm asking this from like a real genuine place of yeah, because yeah, yeah, I yeah. want to optimize my life, and I feel like I need to go buy duct tape and yeah. tape up my mouth so that I learn how to breathe through my nose. Yeah. When I breathe through my nose. I feel like I'm not getting enough oxygen. Yeah. I no. know it's not true. Okay, so we can break this down. So this is very, very common. People basically the nasal cavities. It, it's kind of a if you don't use it, you lose it. So for people who have mouth breathed most of their life and they're trying to go back to nose breathing at first, it's going to feel like you're suffocating mm-hmm. because you're like, I'm not getting enough air. And that feeling comes from CO2 intolerance. So what's happening is because basically air hasn't traveled through there regularly for a very long time, there's going to be a buildup of CO2, which isn't a bad thing, but when our body detects that, it's going to not like it. So mm. typically these people can't really hold their breath for a long time. I used to be like this, even though I've nose breath breathed my whole life, but I couldn't hold my breath for longer than 10 minutes. And that was just like probably trauma related. I have no idea, but it is something that you can rehabilitate and it is really quick. There's two really amazing books, The Oxygen Advantage by Patrick McEwen and Breath by James Nestor. Both of them, they're so good, but they will tell you how to rehabilitate your nose so that you can go to nose breathing. I don't even know if we have enough time to get into why you want to do that, but trust me, just trust me, it can fundamentally change your life. Like if you've got anything from chronic dehydration to your skin is aging faster than you think it should to, um, unknown weight gain to uh, anxiety, to depression, like all of these things are linked with mouth breathing. So it's it's definitely worth it. I don't know why doctors don't ask people because it could save a lot of time and money <laughs> if we just said, oh, you're mouth breathing. Okay. So here's what you do. Don't use duct tape. Um, <laughs> don't use duct tape. Masking tape works or there's like a ton of specialty mouth tapes because it's such a hot thing right now and you don't have to tape all the way across. You can just tape kind of vertically under your nose um, just so you have those little sides if it's kind of feeling claustrophobic, but oh, uh, it, it, it's life-changing for people. I know guys, we're just leaving you with homework. Like you definitely should go. I've definitely, I have read breath. I haven't read the other one. So I'm going to have to add that to my reading. But yeah, I was curious to ask you because you've mentioned that breath work in, even just in this chat alone, a few times that it's a part of your daily life. And then I know, of course, it's a big part of the being method. So like, why is it something that is in your personal toolbox? Like what, Mm -hmm. what benefits does it bring you on a day-to-day basis as like a busy mom on the go, not to mention incredible entrepreneur on the go? Yeah, I'll explain it. So I I don't know if anyone else relates to this. I'm sure other people do, but I personally had a really hard time expressing emotions for a very long time. Like I was incredibly stoic, annoyingly so. And I I didn't know really how to cry. I didn't know any of those things. And I think this is normal for people. Like people will say like, "Oh, I don't get angry." Or they've got grief that they're still dealing with in huge amounts that are holding them 
bath from like 20 years ago, which is normal. I think grief kind of sticks with us forever. But if it's at the point where it's like affecting your life negatively, whatever. I'm just trying to say that I had trouble expressing emotions. And for me, with my first breathwork session, I was, I remember I was holding hands with my husband and he, I don't really cry too much. And I was like convulsing, like it released something in me that I had never experienced in my life. And I've done all the wellness things, including, you know, all the different cool new drugs that you could take. And it, like, I felt a release that I, my heart just felt open. And I was like, okay, this, everybody needs to do this. (laughs) So that's kind of been my path ever since I did that first breathwork session. I, um, I started trying all these different ones and most of them were created by men and led by men, which we love men, but they're just a a different energy. Like like, they can be really intense. Like my husband loves Wim Hof and it's too intense for me. So I was like, okay, I think there needs to be like a more kind of feminine, supportive, gentle one where it's like, we're going to cultivate a sense of safety instead of being like, okay, I'm going to coach you and push you through this. Um, And that's where I really wanted what I wanted to create with the breathwork world. So that's kind of where the being portal came in, which is where you can go do breathwork if you want to with me. And the being method also has all that work too. And um, that was kind of the genesis of my experience with breathwork was doing it and then being like, this is amazing. I think everybody needs this big emotional release. I, I, I didn't learn about emotions as a kid. I don't think a lot of other people did either. So it's so healthy to express things. And now I get to let go of resentment. I don't get to walk around thinking about, you know, something that made me upset a month ago. It's gone. Like, I, I'm just like, well, I'm just in the present moment and I'm happy and I'm not perfect, but like, it's genuinely a big change from me from before. Like I held on to a lot, a lot of stuff. And now I feel pretty clear and it's, life's good. <laughs> and it's because of breath work. <laughs> breath work is the name of the game. I mean, MJ, you are wearing so many hats right now and friends definitely go check out the being method, which is of course the being portal where we can go do breath work, the being podcast where we can go listen <laughs> to some chats, of course on Instagram. I love the quotes. They're so fire and inspiring. Thank um, you. so, so much for squeezing us in. You are such a badass, and yeah, I'm, I'm super inspired by everything that you're doing. Oh, it's special. Thank you. I love you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, that was fun. And just like that, another episode of the Healthy is Hot podcast. Once again, I am your host with clearly no filter for a while. And if you enjoyed this conversation, feel free to subscribe so you never miss out because that sucks. Feel free to rate and leave us a comment. And of course, follow us on Instagram at Healthy is Hot. And my friends, remember, 